Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. It's bloodandmud.com podcast once again. I am Lee Calvert. And I'm Josh Gardner. This is your sweary pipe bomb of rugby knowledge. This week we've had a big European weekend we're going to talk about. Lots and lots to get through. There's been the England squad. There's a Wales squad coming up. There uh, is. We'll be doing the shit good stuff as we go through. There'll be a new feature that we're going to talk about this week, uh, which is uh, called hmm. In My Day, which will be a nostalgic look at things that are from rugby's past that we all miss, or maybe stuff we, we, we don't miss so much. But we'll, uh, Basically a chance for us to be really cantankerous. That's basically, yeah, yes. yeah, as per... <laughs> so there's a chance of us doing that. There'll be the shit good stuff as we go through, as usual. We will do the fixtures that are coming up in the final round of pool matches in Europe. Uh, I noticed last week I said I would do the fixtures and then completely forgot. But imagine, <laughs> it, was, it had been going on for about a week by then, the podcast. So, That's so true, I left man. it. And they are we'll widely available on the internet as well, let's be honest. Right. Yep. Okay, Josh. First of all, I have to open this week with an apology. And I have to open with an apology to Topsy Ojo. <laughs> because because la, la, those of you who listened last week, and you will remember from last week, that well, I, I, did, I did. talked a great length and made loads and loads of cheap jokes about how old Topsy Ojo is. Mm, you you, and, you uh, made some hay there. Yeah, I did, yeah. It was, yeah, I, I had a great fun. But the when I, I said he was 36, I thought, I better check this. <laughs> and when I checked it, he's 30. That's, that's, that's very harsh. 
That's a big miss, isn't it? That's a big miss. (laughs) That is, yeah. I apologise, Topsy, for making you know, ridiculously obvious old person jokes about you. You are only 30. About a 30-year-old. Come on. It does make me think, though, that there must have been at some point some kind of shift in the space-time continuum because I could not believe he was that young. (laughs) Yeah, it does feel like... I'm sure that I had a conversation about Topsy Ojo being a good option for England about 10 years ago, and he couldn't have been 20 then. He couldn't have. I know, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. Maybe I've misread that as well. <laughs> Maybe, who knows? I gave that's, up. Anyway, really he's still, he's, the bottom line is he's still doing well and he's still playing for London Irish. And Indeed. I'm sorry, Topsy, and any London <laughs> Irish fans are out there. So, Josh, it was um, it was quite a weekend. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a pretty good weekend if you're, uh, if you're an Ospreys fan. It was... Uh... Yeah, well, actually, let's kick off with it. Let's yeah. have a look at the let's have a look at the games. Let, let's just go chronologically, simply because that's how they're written yes. on my piece of paper, yes, and I'm same. quite a simple-minded man. So, um, <laughs> let's have a look at uh, the Friday night game. Yeah, which uh, I was alone in the house that night, so I got to watch it unfettered, which was great. <laughs> that's that's uh, always nice. So, Ospreys twenty-one, Clement over and thirteen. Yeah, it was all right, wasn't it? <laughs> um, I level with you. Uh, I know that I said last week that if Claremont didn't bring their A game, I thought that there was a chance that the Ospreys could win it. But I didn't actually believe that. Uh, that that was just me trying to like be objective for a change. But but yeah, I I thought we were going to get absolutely dicked, and I I still don't really understand how the Ospreys won. Like I've it watched was, it back it, a couple of times, and and it still makes no sense. It was a very very strange game. Really weird. Like at half time, Claremont were ahead on the scoreboard. They were dominant at pretty much every facet of the game, including the scrum, the line out, um, attack and defence, the contact, and yeah, just, just all things. And the Ospreys' attack basically sounded like it should have been soundtracked by the Steptoe and Sun theme tune. Well, basically, every time. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I've banged that particular drum quite a lot of how bad the Ospreys are in attack particularly at home but it was writ large for all to see on Friday night there was there was literally nothing they did not create the merest sniff of a try scoring opportunity at any point in the game and yet somehow oh, and Dan Bigger was shit as well and then injured to, to completely compound that's the... the second week on the bounce he's looked yeah uh, completely ordinary he's picked a bad time to have a bit of a dip in form hasn't he I mean and yet his team still won yeah Wales, well, Wales uh, will take that won't they <laughs> yeah. Wales will take that if he played shit yeah, and he still won but I can't see it coming that way in the Six Nations so well, no and, and this is like Clermont didn't even score a point in the second half like I, I'm still baffled as to how that that could possibly have happened and yeah, I mean, this like it kind of felt like they let the game drift away from them because they they almost sort of felt like the, they would win the game by default. Yeah, and I think they thought they didn't have. To, they definitely came out. I think in the second half, I got impressed that they didn't have to do much because Ospreys yeah. were doing very little, so they could yeah. just kind of go through the motions and nothing would happen. But then they didn't really bank on uh, young Sam Davis coming off the bench and doing no, that I thing mean, that he does. Because and it just shows you how how important territory is. I think. Yeah, he just it, gives you territory, doesn't he? He he absolutely kicked the leather off it, and but in an, a much more enjoyable way than than what what Bigger had been doing. Because Bigger's a fantastic tactical kicker, but he wasn't playing to his strengths in that game. He wasn't doing the the kick to recover thing that they usually do so well. He was just sort of kicking fairly aimlessly and didn't really yeah. seem to be 
be doing much of anything but Davis came on he's got a massive boot and he kicks down the line so well and yeah I mean he's, he's been very hot and cold at times this season particularly with his goal kicking but he was immense and it was a proper coming of age moment for him yeah, and uh, I particularly enjoyed uh, Mr. Kolalishvili for the. Uh... Oh, where start with that <laughs> shambles? But what before, is that all about? I mean, before we get to the emotive stuff, let's let's look at the fact, which is that he was sinbinned when Claremont were clearly in the ascendancy and probably robbed them of quite a lot of momentum as far as yeah. putting the game to bed went. Um, he gave away an absolute mountain load of penalties, all of which either gave the Ospreys a chance to clear their lines or to keep in touch with the scoreboard. And he was generally just totally out of control. And the only reason that he didn't get a red card was that he was hauled off, it seemed, seconds before Wayne Bonds' patience had finally ran out. And that's before we even get to the big talking point. Of him pushing is, the referee. Yeah. And, I mean... That, was, I mean, I don't... I, 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 I don't understand it. No. What what goes through his head? I mean, we've we've all I played for a long time at nothing like that level, but the ref gets in the way. He's kind of yes. he's kind of there. We'll probably talk about Ben Whitehouse later, but he, yeah, the ref kind of gets in the way sometimes, and you can and but no, you, you never. What enters your head where you just go? I'll just give him a shove to get that's the thing. Out that's the, way. the thing. It's like the it, officials get in the way. That's that's sport for you. Like you can't if you want them to be on the field. There's a chance they're going to get in the way, and it's particularly the case in rugby because there's nowhere that they can stand that isn't in the way. For somebody, yeah, but like uh, that's that's you don't like like sometimes refs get clattered accidentally, but like yeah, that's just that's shoving him because I mean, you debated. Well, he, he was in his eye line. That was it. Yeah. it wasn't even like he was, the ball was still hadn't actually really been played, exactly. had it? He? he just he was just kind of in his eye line and just thought, oh, I'll get rid yeah. of him. And it was just it showed like a complete lack of respect for the referee and for the sort of conventions and traditions of the game and people have praised Barnes for like not overreacting but I just don't get that to be honest with you I think he was as baffled as everybody else I think he just yeah. so mystified he thought well he can't possibly have done that on purpose therefore mm. I, I don't really know what to do <laughs> no and he, he kind of stood there looking like a kind of wolf puppy didn't he sort of thing yeah, like it was just his like... big wide eyes and being all like oh sorry sorry but it was the strangest thing. It's like the bit like, like you see in a film where somebody sort of gets stabbed out of nowhere and they sort of have that look of shock and disbelief in their <laughs> eyes and they can't go and they sort of stumble around for a bit before keeling over. That was him. Um but it just because he didn't just instantly go, Well, that's absolutely disgraceful and unacceptable, get off, at least for ten minutes, if not for more. Um, it just caused him to be completely out of control for the rest of the game. Like because then he started dropping that. It was after that that he dropped the, dropped the uh, elbow, elbow on, on AWG, wasn't it? And he was fl- coming in late all the time and just trying to take men out of the ball. And it just, I mean, I think I think Barnes was just actually genuinely happy that, that he hadn't eaten him. What? Well, yeah. So <laughs> I mean, thought, look, look, I won't, if look at the size if of the guy. Had a red card, did you? But actually, yeah, he's no, six was, foot yeah. four and nineteen stone. I mean, I wouldn't like to have been shoved by him either, but. I mean, it's been confirmed earlier, just before we came on, that he has been cited for it, and and I should hope that he's got a ban coming his way, at least for it. Because I mean, I think you it's remember, right, it's right that he gets cited because I can understand Barnes kind of being a bit what what just happened, yeah, sort of thing. Oh, oh, yellow card then, and if he had his time over, maybe it might be different. That's probably why citing is a good idea, I think. Yeah, this one, really. but but you think that remember when um, Neil Back shoved a. A ref. I mean, obviously there was more overt aggression in that, but he got banned for about six months for shoving that way back in the dark depths of time in the nineties. And 
but you can't see people you can't see intent can you just so you just got to give it your shot yeah that's yeah, this is exactly. the sanction that's it but um i mean assuming they can they can do the uh disciplinary hearing because i i think he might be from the mental health tribunal actually sometime <laughs> well, next week yeah. I, I thought he was hauled off to be detained on the mental health act because he was absolutely insane it, there was no it was completely like i've never seen a player not in any way be sort of chastened or chastised by getting binned and getting the number of penalties against him because it just seemed to like create more and more overt lunacy <laughs> which uh, if, you, oh, no, if you challenge the aggression maybe you'll be alright but leaving all that aside yeah. very good win for the Ospreys fantastic win I mean yeah they, they showed they showed so much heart and character just to keep playing and exerting pressure and Tipperick was immense Underhill was, was excellent again we spoke last week about how he'd be of interest to England and that and he did absolutely nothing to dissuade anyone of that notion that he's a very special player on Friday night I think Alwyn Jones was on another planet again uh, it was oh, a yeah, proper team performance um, so plenty of good I mean Underhill I said on I said on Twitter that the last time I saw somebody that age who was that physical with that much kind of nous as well who actually kind of mm. was a different code was Andy Farrell people thought I was actually taking the piss <laughs> it's like no, no I am not taking the piss I'm saying <laughs> he was when, a good he, when player, Andy Farrell was 19 yeah. he was incredible and actually mm. he was for years but uh, yeah so I was actually trying to be like quite complimentary but people took umbrage at that actually <laughs> let's talk about some shit stuff from that game I'm going to say it because I imagine you probably will what the fuck was that kids choir all about Oh my god! I mean, look, I've got, I've got no like, nothing against kids singing, and I have nothing against kids singing in a choir. I've got nothing against kids singing in a choir at a rugby match if that's what it takes to get them through the door and all that sort of stuff. However, if they're going to do that, they can do it before the game, after the game, or at half time. Other than that, no, yeah. just just no. It was like a scene from a horror film at one point it was, because there was all this rain coming down and these people were into each other and this kind of echoey, menacing children's noise oh in the background. God. It was really quite unnerving in parts. It, it kind of swayed between unnerving and infuriating to a level that... Because I've got kids, right? And my kids are now in, in uh, of an age I don't have to go to those ridiculous Christmas <laughs> stupid nativities anymore. But I had to sit through them. And, you know, you love your kids, but let's be honest, they are shit. Yeah. Parents out there, you'll confirm they're crap. And, uh, and when and, you you get six hundred of them and stick them, yeah. <laughs> and you know I mean, the thing what upset me the most is they were very they came very very close to making me not like Calon Lan and I didn't think that was possible because yeah. that's one of the greatest songs that, that in the history the, of mankind. That was the thing they had the same if, like if you're gonna sing for eighty minutes, learn a like basic yeah, rule. At least of a have gig. a double album. Yeah, at least if, you, <laughs> if you're gonna play a gig that's eighty minutes long, have eighty minutes worth of material. Don't just keep repeating the same three songs again and again and again. I mean, I know the Liberty can be like a bit like awake at times and they need to try and do different things to create an atmosphere when it's only half full, but God, let's never try that again. That was terrible. Right, so that was Ospreys versus Clermont. Teams mm. are quite nice for this weekend. We'll come on to that later on. Yes. Um, let's talk about uh, the, the Phoenix from the... <laughs> From the County Clare Flames, mm. from the Limerick Flames, which, which was which was monster. It was, I didn't understand. <laughs> I find myself saying that a lot this week. I just yeah. I don't understand. Andy Farrell, the monster Messiah. Right, exactly. saw that Is coming. it Farrell? Well, Farrell but... just walked into the changing room that first day <laughs> and said, "The more we play like this, no more." Yeah. <laughs> That's best to get ourselves moving, and then then away we went. Yeah, they just needed to hear it be shouted at in a slightly different accent. And sit with Rye to the end of every sentence. Have you ever heard yes. him do the team talk, Farrell? Yes. Right? Yeah. Right? 
At least we've got out there work a bit harder. Right. That's... That's, that's, they talk about what a great motivator he is, but I just think I would find that a little bit tedious. Yeah, stop saying right, Andy. Right. Yeah, I mean, we've all got little ticks. I mean, I say exactly too much, as you probably have all noticed, but... <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it was just so weird though, really. Like, because last I mean, week, I mean, it was every... all about physical dynamic aggression, wasn't it? Yeah, which they, they, was, they last week they weren't even running last week, and then no, this week they were smashing the line the shit speed out of was fantastic, wasn't it? And like last week, literally everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. I mean, even the kit man had a mare and brought the wrong shirts, <laughs> which is why <laughs> they had to wear the black kit this week. And I mean, I've never even heard of that before. That's ridiculous. But they imagine were... that meeting. What's your job? I'm the kit man. Well, do you have to get the boots of that? No. Do you have to like put the posts out? No, I'm no. not going to do the kit. So what happened? <laughs> you had one job. Well. Um... I, d- I didn't think that red and pink clashed that much, to be honest. I mean. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so... great result for Munster. You can't, I mean, it's a bit late now, obviously, but there was a lot yeah. of talk about restoring pride. Yeah, and, I think and they definitely that kind of did that. And, and I think that's fair enough, actually, because it was quite embarrassing. There was quite an awkward moment at the end of the game, you did see, when Quinlan was talking to... Whoever was hosting it, I can't remember. But then they said, and here comes Anthony Foley now. <laughs> Anthony Foley stood out to him. And they, they were making a big point of being, oh, we've been through a lot together and all. I can't do the accent, but we'd have been through a lot together, me and him. And, yes, me yeah. and, and it was like, but it, it seemed there was a definite edge between them to me, but maybe I'm being a bit too soap opera about this. I, I would imagine if there's not a bit of an edge going on behind the scenes at Munster over the last month, then something desperately wrong. I suppose there should be, really. Yeah. But I interviewed Mike Brown last week when he was talking about the fallout from the England World Cup, and he just mm. said, and he said, we need we need to meet all about the leaking and stuff, mm. and he said we need a meeting, and everyone needs to be brutally honest with each other, and then we can move on. And I think there's something to be said with that, isn't there? Absolutely, you've got to, you've got to I completely up. agree. Like you've got to have that that frankness and honesty. There's there's no room, particularly on a in a professional sports team, for you know backbiting and whisperers As and a, talking to the press and all this shit. As Clemenza says in The Godfather, you know, we need a war every now and again. Cleans out all the bad blood. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that, that's Yeah, uh, maybe that's what Munster needed. Maybe they needed to be very, very honest with one another this week and say some home truths. And, and who knows, maybe they've got it out of the system. And get a Lancastrian shouting at them. There yes. you go. That's, that's, the, that's the cocktail. <laughs> so uh, the next one was, was Bordeaux in Pool 2. Bordeaux, mm. and you're in Osprey's pool, actually. Bordeaux, Begler, 34, Exeter... 27. I tell you what, given that this was a game between two very weakened teams, um, it was bloody entertaining. And I think Exeter, Exeter did a brilliant job, actually. Yeah, they did. Put out. And, and I think, yeah, I'm going to go on a limb, I, I think Bordeaux were probably the most exciting attacking team to watch in Europe. They're absolutely electric. They've got so many great backs, and they can sort of do that shift from defence to attack things so well. They're they're fantastic, and and when I saw that Exeter side that Baxter had put out, I worried that he'd made a very big mistake, resting so many. First yeah, because there's players. resting, and there's completely destroying all your mojo with a soul-crushing yeah. defeat. And I, and I mean, two of their three t- tries did come from from intercepts, which you know slightly coloured the result a little bit. And, and hindsight is a bitch, but given that that the Ospreys' result on Friday night, I wonder if Baxter regrets not playing a few more first-team players, given that they only lost by by a converted try. You know. You and think... I think, you know, you put that back line up against Ashley Cooper. Yeah. And the class kind of came out, didn't it, really? Exactly. Really and well. and, and you, you you think about the likes of sort of Steenson or Waldron or Sam Hill or whatever, they, they might have been able to make that difference that 
that if if Exeter could have gotten a one, a win on Saturday, they'd have been level with Ospreys at the top of the pool. Yeah, with a home funny. game to decide the pool against them so next week. What, why did they do that week selection? Do you think? You're, I don't know. I wonder if he just they just sort of assumed that the Ospreys would because the teams were obviously picked before. Yeah, the, the Ospreys game. I wonder if they just assumed that the Ospreys were going to get turned lose. over. Yeah, and that'd be that. Yeah, yeah. Of and then they yeah, they'd be point. in position to to get the best runner up next week or whatever. I don't know, but it's it's yeah, it's it's made a it creates a very interesting situation next week because they've got zero points from three away games, and that's rarely the sort of record that sees you through the knockout stages. But mm. could have been so- better. We'll come on to that next week then. So uh, that was uh, from a shit good point of view. I've already mentioned Ashley Cooper; he was very good in that game. Very good. And I think Exeter generally, if that's the sign of things to come with the people who are coming off the next, you know, the the, the seat behind the people yeah. who are playing now, then they've, they've not got a great deal to worry about, have they? Really? I know it's yeah. a loss, but even yeah. so, nice to see uh, Michel Campagnaro get a game as well. He, he didn't exactly pull up trees, but God, he was he's been like the missing man for the last. Ever, ever since he signed for Exeter let's be honest when he burst onto the scene for Italy you thought he was going to be an absolute world beater and... do you remember when he got the man of the match in that Six Nations game in the interview? <laughs> yeah I do, do you remember, remember, the interview, remember the interview afterwards oh I don't actually know the guy, the guy I'd never forget it because the guy the, I can't remember who it was Damien what's his name for the BBC said to him uh, here's your man of the match award how do you think You know, are you pleased and, and Campagnolo went my English are not very good. <laughs> and then, but then the next question that David meant was, he said, it was a very attritional game, wasn't it? <laughs> and the unbelievable blank look on the lad's face was just an yeah. absolute picture. It was Funny an absolute that. broadcast be- journalism at its absolute best. In beginner's English, they don't turn, tend to cover the word attritional very <laughs> no, much. But, yeah. Especially when you're knackered and sweated and just won't <laughs> exactly. match. Uh. Yeah, so there you go. Um, the next one was was Saracens thirty three Ulster yeah battering ram gonna keep on battering ram. <laughs> I watched up, I watched up to the point because I had to go and do something. So I watched I watched up to the point about two minutes before Saracens turned off turned on their stop fucking about function. <laughs> Yeah, because well, it was actually quite tight for about half an yeah, hour. Yeah, fair place, it? fair place, Ulster for giving them a, a, an actual game for about thirty-five minutes, but and no, I had to go I'm, out, and then it just they just went off. Yeah, I'm sick of but, this now. Just, nobody can live with Saracens this year. I just don't see how they can. Like they're on another. They all, it's, it's good teams have another gear to get past teams that are giving them a bit of trouble, but Saracens just seem to. It's not another gear. They just seem to have this sort of switch that goes from. Okay, we're we're sort of tight here. To right, we're just going to absolutely annihilate you, and they just seem to do that every game. They have a moment where they just flick a switch, and before you know it, they're like twenty, thirty points ahead. I don't I know how they, they do it. I think they literally flick a switch. They, they like feed more data into a machine, which <laughs> activates a chip in all their heads, and, and then off they go. That's apart from well. Uh, we'll talk about the England squad in a minute, but Chris Ashton's come out uh, and in the England squad. But of course, he he showed some of his wonderful uh, stuff in in, uh, in that game when he attempted to twist somebody's head off as they were going yes. down. And, seemed, and and spent more time joying with Jared Payne than he did actually playing rugby for most of the game. Let's be it's, honest. It's so frustrating. Why <sighs> does he do it? Literally, because he really doesn't need to do it. You've just got back into the England squad, Chris. Like you've been really good. It's and like the it's like yeah, hard earned, him, hard earned, and then you, you go and do that. You give him a whiff of a red rose, and he turns into a massive prick. 
What I did like is that when they slowed that slow motion of him twisting the head, it wasn't properly a Mortal Kombat finish. Oh, it really was. He was trying to... <laughs> it's such a stupid... I mean, yeah. Saracens, so... to me, are comfortably the best team in Europe uh, at the moment, certainly on form. I, I would be very surprised if they don't make it to the Heighton Cup final. And the key to that is, is Owen Farrell. You, yeah, I read something this week that said, game, like, regardless of his form at the moment, Eddie Jones should definitely pick George Ford to start against Scotland. And for me, that is absolute bollocks. Because yeah. I just, Farrell is probably playing better than he ever has um, at the moment, in my opinion. And I mean, he's and always been an excellent on field general and a defender and a goal kicker, but he's added shitless to his attacking game as well, both in terms of running and passing. And that was his he has little dummy. before that, that all black game. He, yeah, he, he, when he you know he he got some confidence a couple of years ago, and he got the confidence to take the ball to the line, and he can yeah. fence passes, and he has got a quick yeah. quick break. I think it's a shame that he's kind of either the way they were playing at Saracens or just a confidence thing, because he, again he's not that old. Remember, you know he's no. a confidence thing when they've gone down, and and, and he's got his reputation as this one-dimensional organising kicker. Yeah, Having said that, so did Johnny Wilkinson, and that didn't do anybody in the arm. Well, exactly. But, um, and, and you look at his little dummy step and little burst that, that put in Duncan Taylor on hmm. on Saturday. That was fantastic. You know, any fly half in the world would be delighted with that move. The worrying and, thing you've got is, is that on, on current form with England, we're going to come to a bit later, but we might as well do some of it now. But hmm. the worrying thing with England, I think if you play Farrell at 12 and Ford at 10, you've got that weakening two positions problem. Yeah, you've got somebody playing a twelve who isn't one. And you've got somebody playing ten who's got no confidence whatsoever. Now, to be honest, some people play better in international teams. Maybe Ford will play better in an international team with a pack that doesn't look like it's forgotten what rugby is. Mm. You know, Maybe. so who knows? But I just don't see like playing a. He is the form ten in Europe, in my opinion, at the moment, and yeah. I just think it's it's a bad idea to to play the best outside off in Europe out of position to accommodate somebody who's had what one good game this season really maybe two yeah well we shall see um, mm. from a good point of view Ashton was obviously shit in that game from the shit good range point he of definitely view was. Um, and the, the good in that game was we mentioned him before but I was it's the first time I've had a decent look at him at least for half an hour anyway was 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 McCluskey yeah I think he's very promising he, he looks very handy and um, we'll talk about Leinster later but <clears> him <throat> and Ringrose yeah. look fairly handy players yeah, Ireland have got quite a little centre factory that they're uh, starting to crank up production on. When you think about all of the trouble that they've had replacing Bod, you know they could be. I think a it's year that thing about away from good. They've got to put any idea of replacing Bod out of their minds. Yeah, haven't they? That's the thing. You've got to stop even talking in those terms because you can't replace. You know, I know he's. You know, it's, I know we get the kind of co- the commentators and pundits wank circle when when we start talking about Bod, but you know he was he's one of the best generational talent. Yeah, you know, he, and, and you're is. not going to replace that. It's like West Indies in cricket trying to say, well, we'll just find another Brian Lowry. You're yeah, not going to do no. it, are you? It's just they never will. And that's and that's always the problem. That I mean, perhaps now that they've had a, a couple of years without him, you know it's started to to fade away. But anybody that follows him for a couple of years at least is always going to going to feel slightly in his shadow sort of like when Neil Jenkins retired from Wales and there was a bit of a sort of wandering period almost where no 10 really seemed to be matching up to what 
Jenkins won. is a funny one though because there was a wandering period throughout his whole career. Nobody was ever that's, that convinced by him. But that's the Welsh no. fly eye psychosis, yes, though, isn't it? Basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, so that that was Ulster uh, again. Just Saracens march on. Uh, Ulster mm-hmm. can win in France, but they can't win at Hendon. But they, there you go. Nope. Um, Oyenar to lose. <sighs> no, nobody cares. me. Where do you start <laughs> with this? I, I remember people like maybe last season or the season before saying that Guinoves was like the outdated handbrake that was holding Toulouse back. <laughs> and yeah, maybe not so much. <laughs> like yeah. they've been unspeakably bad this year. They but, all look. They all look unfit. Yeah, they, really, they, they look weirdly like fat and yeah. Their useless. conditioning is dreadful, and and from the moment that they dropped the ball on the opening kickoff and allowed the Oyana winger to score after like twenty seconds or something stupid like that, it was all Keystone Cop shambles in the snow. Yeah. Which so just, that that whole game was shit, basically. Yeah, I mean, basically credit to Oyana, though first ever Champions Cup win. I don't think they'll be back next year, so it's nice of them to have something before they. I suppose they toddle uh, off. Finally, then we'll just uh, we will look at. Actually, I'll come back to the Leinster game because we'll cover pools three and. Oh no, I'm getting myself all confused. Ignore everything that I'm saying. We'll just do the okay. Leinster game because it's next yeah. on the list. Um, Leinster twenty-five, Bath eleven. Yeah, fair play to Leinster. I'd say they had nothing left to play for but to be a bit of a spoiler, and uh, they did it in pretty impressive fashion. I thought. And they've been slowly crawling and you know dragging themselves out of the hole they found themselves in for a couple of yeah. weeks, for a few weeks now, haven't they? Which is, yeah, I suppose, well, nice to build, see. You don't, want to, yeah. you don't want to be completely miserable, do you? They'd have won that game quite comfortably, I think, if they'd had a bit more confidence. Like, I mean, Zane Kirchner looked half-decent for probably the first time ever in a Leinster shirt that I've watched him, certainly. Ethan yeah. Athewa, how old is he now? Like 7,000 years him, old? If you're asking me, yeah, he's probably about 12,400 <laughs> years old. Yeah, well, you're not I think good he, at that. He's sometime he's mid 30s, isn't he? 34? Yeah, like yeah, something like that. And he's actually re- he came out of retirement to play for Leinster. And why ever did he retire? Because he was brilliant and he was making breaks left and right. It was, yeah, they were very good. And Bath yeah. were back to the sort of error-strewn dross they, that we've they, seen. They look in serious trouble. Cause, um, what is wrong there? The four was attacked. I yeah. mean, the thing is that they're looking at a realistic possibility of, well, they will be going out in the group stage. Yeah. Uh, let's not, you know, I know it's not confirmed, but they will be. And um, and they've got a very real chance of not being in this tournament at all next year. Yeah. In fact, and they probably won't be. So, no, I mean, and that's, that's a disaster. They'd have to have a pretty miraculous, like second half of the season to force their way into the top six now and I mean you've got you look at them and you think they're like buying number eights like they're an endangered species and the same with centres and yet they've got glaring deficiencies of prop and in the second row and they just ignore them and that's losing them games because their pack is abject aside from the back row I think it's because all their number eights go to international duty don't they well, there is that you think as well. About yeah. it. So they've got to keep signing them because there's none left. They should sign Sam Underhill actually, because if they don't get a move on, they won't sign the number eight this month at all. Well, yeah, exactly. And then how would that look to the fans? <laughs> but uh, if it, I mean, Mike Ford must be shitting it really. Well, yeah. he probably isn't. He's a professional. But he must be sitting there thinking, "This is lucky." Because how can it? Do you get to a point where you do think, "How can you turn this around?" Yeah. And I'm not. Sh- and he had that slight flash last week, but then it was straight back down again. And Leinster aren't that good. No. 
You know, it's got young players in there. That, you know, some half decent turns in there. I mean, the first five minutes they looked exactly like Ian Madigan tried to miss pass in the first five minutes, which was. <laughs> horrible on every level it, it was one of those kind of two hands over the head kind of basketball type pass it went behind yes, everybody everyone loves those. and he did that kind of face he does he looks a bit confused <laughs> but um that was so it didn't look like it was going to go that well but batters couldn't create a thing could they no they were they were really bad and and i know i said last week that we shouldn't be getting carried away with gary Ringrose and that he was overhyped <laughs> and it wasn't fair on him but God, he's just getting better every game I watch him, and he is an absolutely massive talent. Like, yeah, he has really that. Obvious. He has that. I don't look like I'm going very fast way of running. Yes, but yet nobody catches me. He's really. He's got deceptive pace. He's he's really balanced as a runner. He picks nice angles. He seems to know. He's one of those. He sidesteps without sidestepping. Yes, and who does that kind of that. gliding run? That thing. Yeah. You think, well, he's changed direction, but I didn't see how it happened. It was almost like he makes the pitch move underneath him. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I don't. I I know that I said I'm doing exactly the same as I said we shouldn't do last week. But yeah, he is he is a special player, and he's going to be very good. Right then, we shall leave the European things at that point, and we'll come back and do the rest of them in Indeed. a bit. But let's very briefly talk about squads. Yes. We've already mentioned England. Let's have a look at them very quickly. I mean, it's all been done this last week, so I don't I don't know. Yeah. hype it but I, I'm interested to know your view as somebody who was playing against England and desperately wanted them to lose and actually desperately wanted them to lose in any time they play anybody yes um, uh, are you, are you, would you be worried about this spectacular <laughs> spectacular yeah. or heartbreaking fashion you're not fussy either, either, either or, be, or I'll, yeah. take, I'll take any as long as there's tears I'll live with it um, I don't know look for all the sort of like columns and things that I saw of, of the instant positivity that's been rendered by the makeup of this squad I, I I honestly kind of feel like I'm not seeing that there's that much difference really I mean yeah there's that, there's a proper seven in the squad there are centres that can actually there play are centers rugby. well I mean on the plus side let's look at the plus sides which is you know he has looked at Brad Barrett and and the conundrum of Brad Barrett and gone and solved it very quickly. Yeah, he solved it by going. Well, that's not an international centre, so that's fine. But I just, yeah, I, some of the things that he said, like I'm, I'm, I think it's a good squad in some respects. I think picking Kvesic is good. I think also then picking three sevens that aren't actually sevens is a bit of a retrograde step interestingly he's picked Kvesic though as, as injury replacement for um, yeah for Ewers yeah he's a blindside but like but he, and also suggests he'll be out again yeah and he also says that he also said that England don't necessarily need a, a proper seven in the Six Nations which kind of just had me even as not as an England fan head in my hands a little bit because it's like well that might be true but well, that shit won't fly when it comes to playing Australia or the All Blacks, and you can't just chop and change. I mean, like, I, can't, I can't talk about James Haskell again. No, well, I can. I, mean, he's, I can, he's, but he's, you know, I think everybody's probably sick of it by now, including me. But um, <laughs> I don't. I, mean, I don't. I don't get it anyway because I don't think he's ever shown that much in sixty caps to warrant. What I mean, in all seriousness, I mean my pantomime hatred of him is that it's like my pantomime love of <laughs> Samson Lee. It's a pantomime, but but actually, yeah. on a very basic level, the reason why I I don't like it, I don't want him in as well. I've never really understood it. I know he works hard, yeah, but other than that, I don't know what he does. No, and it's, I think 
to be honest with you, you could have got like Bingo the Seeing Eye Dog to be the New England coach after the shambles of the World Cup and he would have probably made similar squad changes because they were roundly no-brainers. But there's something like, what has Joe Simpson done? Has he like well, killed the two, a hooker or, or run over thing. a swan it's or something? It's a two-scrum halves like, thing, isn't it? That's what I, that's the, but, I, mostly, you go on with three-scrum halves, don't you? But Yeah, but why would you not go... like Joe Simpson is comfortably the Form 9 in England... And actually, I don't. Um, I think Ben Youngs and Danny Kerr, neither of them are terrible. No, nope. but they've both got fundamental problems. Ben Youngs can't play more than two games well. That's very true. Actually. Um, and even yeah. when he is playing well, his service is slightly slow, and his his kicking's not too clever. Danny Kerr is is all buzz and all action. His passing lets him down sometimes. I think his decision making massively lets him down. Not not that I'm saying they're not international standard, but. When I look at Joe Simpson, we'll come on to the Wasps game later, but generally throughout mm. this whole, he's just he's quicker. He's as quick yeah. as care. He probably yeah. passes quicker. Yeah. His kicking is, well, ironically, his kicking kind of let him down this week, but not but not overly so. I like his kicking. His defence yeah. is great. I think he's mm. a good motivator. And stuff. I just, I think he, I think there's a point at which with, with Jones, who's not a stupid man, he's sat down and kind of gone, I need to change some things. It has to be done yeah. in stages. I can even understand why he's picking somebody with sixty caps like Haskell in there. Yeah. I know because it's you know it was I think it was keep Haskell or keep Wood. Yeah, and I think and I think, and I think everybody hates Wood. It does, and seem even though I hate Haskell, everybody doesn't seem to hate him. I'm, I'm, no. I'm out here on my own, really. Well, plenty of people <laughs> do hate him, but in the squad, I mean. Yeah, and I think England needs a new broom, as we've discussed and I think what we've got here is kind of a new handle on the same broom not to get all triggered <laughs> yeah. to get a bit trigger on you here but, uh, yeah. but I, I think ultimately he's picked a squad that's it's not a revolution that perhaps England need but it's a sort of it's the first step like winning like they, he's gonna be pragmatic and he's delaying tearing everything up because he wants to get his feet under the desk and grind out a few wins before he really starts making changes because if he sort of came in straight away and tore everything up and started from scratch as far as team selection goes then if England lost also, a load of games then he'd be under his job would be under threat I also, so, and I also think he's kind of almost saying I'm not that fussed about this tournament really he doesn't want to be uncompetitive yeah. but I think he is almost saying well I'm not going to have a specialist seven because yeah. this is an incremental thing, we might win, we might not. At the end yeah. of the day, you know, he's going to start. As I said, I wrote about this this week, and as I said, you know, his rev- his path to the summit of Mount World domination, should we ever get there, mm. starts probably in the sleet in Murrayfield. And yeah. how much can you get done there anyway? Yeah. In, in terms um, of a rugby philosophy, I mean. Yeah, it's arguably winning four games in the Six Nations five games even if they, they play well enough it's going to be a lot more beneficial for restoring the confidence yeah. and the faith in but, uh, the England team than than sort of perhaps trying a lot of new shit that might get him in trouble Sam Roberts on Twitter who's um, has a blog of his own at Sam Roberts mm. Rugby he's a great writer actually puts mm. me to shame a lot of the time but he wrote a great piece on it. He he he, equivoc- he said, "Naming a squad's like unsheathing your sword. You know, it looks all shiny and makes you feel all strong <laughs> and powerful, but actually, yeah. you've not killed anybody yet, mate. And you've not no, nobody exactly. knows if you can use it. You know, so it's. I thought that was a great analogy, actually, and it's it's yeah. probably the perfect way to leave that. But yeah, that was um, hmm. 
other squads is that the um, in between renaming the stadium and getting us all to pretend like history's never happened, uh, the W the WRU <laughs> have uh, announced that their squad's being named tomorrow. Yes. Um, so I'll let you have a chat about that then. Yeah, well, well, squads don't really generate nearly the level of interest that they used to because, by and large, the player pool is pretty settled and the squad is pretty settled now, and it's unlikely that Gatland is going to spring any massive surprises, and particularly after the World Cup where Wales selected pretty much. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Every fit player who could say they were born in Wales on their birth certificate in some way, shape or form, and the odds of there being any fresh faces or shocks are pretty slim, to be honest. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's not going to be too much different really from the outside backs um, despite of his fairly flaky form North and Cuthbert will be in um, yeah. Alan Amos came back from injury on Saturday and looked sharp he scored a he try did, yeah. against Cast yeah. so um, I, I would like him to start if I was honest um, Anscombe looked very good when he came on for the Blues uh, on, Saturday, on Sunday afternoon as well um, so I reckon he'll start at 15 but um, there's talk of Tom James coming into the squad Dan Evans I just don't see it to be honest Tom James has um, he's been a, he's a very decent club winger but he's not a test match player I think it's the same for Dan Evans Yeah. Um, there's talk even of Hanno Dirksen coming in but he's got a very confusing South African come American accent and he's made of glass so no um, Eli Walker looked terrible on Friday <laughs> yeah he's formless really yeah gone to the dogs in the in like the last month and it's, it's very unfortunate for him because I think he's probably on the bubble as well he, he, um, he looked a bit like Tom Vardell and I'll leave that yeah, there that's, <laughs> and nobody wants that do they um, yeah Matthew Morgan this talk that he might start at 15 I don't see it um, and Liam Williams is going to have one game to prove that he's fit before the start of the Six Nations let alone the squad being named so if he does get named it's a it's a proper dice roll for Gatland. So, um, yeah, midfield. There's literally four fit centres in Wales, so um, <laughs> that'll that that'll be Jamie Roberts, John Davis. That's a luxurious Curry, position after the World Cup, though. Well, you must be well exactly. pleased. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> I would I will take that right now. I mean, especially having the the Roberts and Davis axis back is really great news. Um, one name that I don't think it'll happen, but Johnny Williams of of London Irish has been sort of his name has been thrown around as a bit of a prospect he's only 19 but he's massive and he scored four tries in his first three appearances for London Irish um, for London Irish as well let's not yeah, forget like, yeah, fair um, I, I don't think he's ready yet but I could potentially see Gatlin naming him in the wider squad sort of a similar thing that he did with Thomas Francis last year where we he might as well of, who else is there 
Well, exactly. They're dragging and people also, off the street to old tackle bags in midfield. Yes, they? exactly. And and he's also England and Scottish qualified as well. So oh yeah, well if, yeah, get that sorted straight away. Yeah, nail him to the wall him, like a cat, like a Catherine wheel. Exactly. If he wants him, you better get him soon. Um, halfbacks bigger, even though he got a dead leg. Um, he he should be fine. Um, Gareth Davis, Lloyd Williams. There's rumours that Ali Davis is going to start against Ireland, and I'm slightly confused by that. Like. Fair, fair play, Ali Davis is a very good player and he's currently keeping Gareth Davis out of the Scarlets team but mm. Gatland is a man who keeps his faith with the players who've done right by him and after the World Cup that he had I can't see any possible way that Gatland is dropping Gareth Davis I think there's a point at which there's um, I, I, I always Duncan Fletcher when he took over England he always mm. he always made the point in his book when he read it, <clears throat> the cricket coach he said you find people who are the, who have the requisite class for this level, and you stick with them. And I yeah. think that's that tends to be, I think, what Gatland. That's why when people are having it a bit does, of a pop definitely. at Gatland, he goes, "No, these are test level, and yeah. I stick with them." And by and large, over the course of a season or whatever, he's proved right because they yeah. usually come good. Um, the real issue for Wales, I think, is who fills the backup fly-off void as far as the halfbacks go. Because obviously Priestland has spectacularly U-turned on his little "I'm going to have a sabbatical from Wales for a couple of years" thing that he said about three minutes ago. Um, so I guess he's probably first choice. But if I was I mean, Gatland, I mean, I'd Priestland, be... I mean, poor lad, you know. I mean, we've all had a pop. And he did, and he didn't play well. But no, being, and I really but, like the lad, being, but... being booed by your own fans is is, is awful, really. Yeah, I mean, I think people what... people have a right to express their opinion. Or if you can't go to a sports game and shout, "Oh, you're shit," then what's the point of having sport anymore, really? But yeah, I mean, Christ, I've built, I've been having, having a blog since two thousand and seven, based basically around that <laughs> entire concept, and you know, a small number of people seem to like it. But uh, the, I do think there's, you do, on a, from a moral point of view, it's bad to boo your players. But I can understand you can have an opinion. I've never understood that Welsh thing from a practical point of view. No. What are you practically hoping to achieve by doing this type thing? Well, especially the way that Preston was laid into it, it's like that's not helping anyone. It's only it's clear that he's you know very mentally fragile. So absolutely eviscerating him on social media and at the stadium that's really going to help his confidence, isn't it? We say I it's... eviscerated him at the, on social media, but I I I my defence is that I'm English, therefore I am an arsehole. So I, and plus, I want him not to play well, really, because I don't want to. You know, that's my well, small exactly. excuse, and I'm sticking to it. But, uh, but if it isn't Priestland, then I mean, it's it's the two young ones. It's Patchell or Sam. Well, Davis. Sam Davis, yeah, and and Patchell would be my choice, just because I think Rhys Patchell has waited too long to have a crack at playing ten for Wales. He's such a talented player, and he's like a perfect ten for Gatland because he's a good defensive player he's got a massive boot on him and yet he can do all of the things that you kind of want to fly off to do in terms of passing and running and all of that stuff um, Sam Davis I think he's in probably better form than Patchell right now but I kind of think he's better off at the Ospreys at this point like let him start a 10 during the Six Nations get some more games under his belt and and see where it goes from there I think Okay, well, let's just let's race to the forwards then I mean the definites yeah. uh, you know the, the usual suspects who do you think might come yes. in? Uh, there's not the the only sort of positions where there's there's real questioning I guess is lock because somebody's got to come in for Jake Ball 
who's who's going to miss Six Nations and and in the front row. Um, at lock, I reckon Lloyd Ashley is is in superb form for the Ospreys. Um, or alternatively, Rory Thornton doesn't get much game time for the Ospreys, but he is on one of their national deal contracts. So, okay, you wonder if Gatland would favour that. Um, front row uh, is Gethin Jenkins too old? That is he the looked in the World Cup, didn't he? He did a bit, and I think I think personally, Paul James has got a start. A loose head, like Wales need to have a platform. And I don't think they have one with with Geth starting, but it's a case of whether he's in the squad or not, or whether you give Rodri Jones or or Nicky Smith or Rob Evans a chance to to start nailing their place down for two thousand and nineteen. Do we see the return of the Hibbard? Final question. Uh, no, I think I'd go with Christian Dacey to be honest, because he just scores. He's like Thomas Waldrum in that he has a ridiculous <laughs> try scoring record, and I quite like that in a hooker. So yes, yeah. and he's but he's not fat though, so he's okay. No, he's not. Uh, right, okay, so that was Wales. So it's out uh, as well. This will probably be up on the web on the 19th. So it's out kind of today, probably as you're listening to it. Mm. So you'll see if, if Josh's Watch how right I am. predictions are correct. <laughs> Watch, yeah. Hear me now. Yeah. The, uh... Yes. Okay, so that's that. Moving forward then, let's have a look. Let's go back to the European fixtures, Josh. Yes. Um, and have a little dander at the ones that we've got left. We've not talked about. So we have. In pool four, Leicester battering Benetton Treviso. I think we should be doing a weekly, from now on, when we do this pod, there should be a weekly count of how long it's been since Treviso won a game. You it's said, been a long... Th- you said they've not won February. a game since February. It's February so 48 weeks. Yes. Or thereabouts. The end, so this it is was fun- the end of February, but yeah. Let me, what let are we saying just, then? Let me just Google that. Hang on, Treviso... <laughs> While you're doing that, then I'll talk about. Uh, I mean, it was a very, very easy win for Leicester. Uh, the, the highlight of the game, of course, was Ben Whitehouse taking a wonderful interception. Uh, that was lovely, wasn't it? it was, I, I, what I was, did enjoy that. What was lovely about it is what happened afterwards because he just caught yes. the ball. He had this smile going on because he did that human thing <laughs> of whenever yeah. ball comes at you, you can't help but catch it. And um, yes. that's what always makes me laugh when people say football and things were invented in Victoria. No, they weren't. They were just rules were given to them because exactly. actually the and human instinct to roll a ball to each other and throw something <laughs> into each other it's been around for years and he proved that basically and it was just look because he he did that and stood there where you could see he suddenly thought oh god sort of thing yeah well, matt tate just laughed Manny yes well, that's, that's... Come over and ruffled his hair yes oh i love that and the treviso so the treviso lads were just asking him a question about a kick that had happened sometime before nobody was bothered <laughs> in the slightest no. were they and okay, so uh, Bennett and Treviso beat the Cardiff Blues forty twenty four on the twentieth of February last year, which was indeed the last time they won a game. So that must be about forty eight weeks. Yeah, that's a <laughs> give or take. It's it's be- because I, I'm honestly running out of ways to say that they're fucking useless and they don't belong in this competition. <laughs> I think so, it's just time yeah, to rank if, expletives, basically. It, yeah. yeah, so let's just 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 let's just draw a line every week and chalk another week off that they haven't won. Game. So, Benetton Treviso, 48 weeks without a win. Watch this space, we'll keep you updated. The snow actually provided a sterner opposition to Le- Leicester in the second half than, <laughs> than Treviso did. That's all I'll say. Uh, rat, well, speaking of terrible, uh, ra- Racing 92-64, Scarlets 14. Yeah. Now, Racing are a decent team with they some decent very good players. Team. But they are not 64-14, 40 points up at half-time decent. No, I think that that Racing might be the sort of second best team in Europe on form at the moment right now. But they're not that good. But Scarlet's Um, the top of the Pro 12. 
Now either that makes a mockery of the Pro 12, or it makes, or it's just that's what their performance was. They're, I don't and like the contrast between them in the Pro 12 and them in Europe is just staggering because they just forget how to defend in any well, way, shape, or form. Funny you should say that. I um I because they keep doing these horrific defensive performances. I got to thinking, who is their defense coach? And I looked who it up. The... I mean, do they have one in the Pro 12? Because they've only got about four quid to get staff on board, haven't well, they? Yeah. But their defence coach is, remember Byron Haywood? Yes. Famously, I don't play for oh, Wales because of that God. foreign muck playing. By, those of you yes. don't know, Byron Haywood refused to play for Wales when Shane Howarth and Brett Sinkinson were selected because they were yes. born elsewhere. Now, t- turns out that obviously they'd... Had they been lying? I think I, the, the problem with that Granny Gate thing when you go back... Is that actually? I don't think people thought they were lying. They genuinely believed they it's, had grandparents that. Yes, they just hadn't bothered to actually check it. Do you remember David Hilton? He was absolutely heartbroken because their entire family thought they were quarter Scottish. Then he was told, yeah, "Sorry, mate, you're not." Yeah, so yeah, yeah. He was born in he was born in London or whatever. They were, he was <laughs> he was crestfallen. He'd wear kilts and everything. So yeah, so that so that was so that so Byron Haywood is their defence coach, right? And his contract yes. was renewed on the first of December, twenty fifteen. And he was quoted as saying at the time, I'm very fortunate to work with a very honest and hard-working group of players. Defensively, we still have a long way to go, but the potential <laughs> is exciting. <laughs> the potential to let in even more tries in even more comical ways. So he, in the world of the business speak, all he can see from that performance is improvement opportunities. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> the only way is up. I mean, there was. I think it's a close-run thing, but I think... It's, there's some sort of rule in the Champions Cup that a team playing in red in Paris has to embarrass themselves defensively every week. Yeah. But that might. I'm not sure which defensive performance was worse because. No, I think this, that was, Scarlet's one was the worst. It I probably think was. They were. It plumb new depths, uncharted depths of awfulness in tackling. There was that point where uh, Dupi showed that winger who looks, who looks handy, by the way. Yeah. I imagine he'll be. Yes, he does. He, um, from a good point of view, he's he's good. He's in there, but the uh, mm. there's a point he went on a run and the tackling. Aaron Shingler oh. kind of just kind of bent down as if he was bowing <laughs> to the Queen and tried to like clip his ankles as he walked past. It was like a kind of doffed cap thing as he went past and trying to wave his. It was it was um, and that lovely try that um, again that um, did yeah, show him, popped up the offload, but even was... then they should have banged him. I know there was there was a great like wide angle of that try where there's one of the Scarlets players who's just literally in a in a fetal ball, but he's still in the defensive line. Now I'm sure he was injured, but he was actually doing about as much good as most of his non-injured teammates were at that point. Going back it to was... the Byron Hayward thing, though, I mean individual mm. tackles you can make people individually responsible for that because they're professional players. They coached out to tackle; they've been doing it for their whole yeah. lives, and you think you shouldn't miss tackles. No, but the thing about that was that it was. The shape was awful. Yeah. The line speed there was, no was organization. awful. And the organisation was awful. And actually, it seems he's had his contract extended. But then again, they're not that bad in the Pro 12, are they? No, and then it's sort of... They'd actually looked quite... They, they have disintegrated in spectacular fashion. And yeah, OK, they managed to beat Connacht the week before last and fair enough, whatever. But they've looked really bad ever since James Davis got injured. And mm. I don't really know... How the sort of loss of a twenty-two, twenty-three-year-old open side who is very, very good, by the way, but still can just completely change the whole dynamic of the team. But they just look so. And Jake Ball's a massive loss to them as well, obviously, because he's he's a big defensive 
you know, Star but, Wars. But he, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't defend the outside three channels, does he? Yeah, and that's, no, that's the, the thing. thing they, they've not. They, they don't seem to understand that you. But Rassinai too. All credit to them. You know, don't yeah. allow Lala. Um, Dan Carter who's, who again somebody else who's 700 years old he's 33 <laughs> um, but yeah it's well got, that midfield think, La 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 and Carter they must be what yeah. nine, 902 the two of them together <laughs> yeah, so. and they looked fantastic but the thing that pisses me off about the Scarlets is that they've got all these wingers and, and fullbacks who can't defend the outside channels and yet Jordan Williams, who is one of the most exciting talents that Wales has produced in years, is rotting in the Premiership, scoring tries for fun every week and not getting a look in because his tackling isn't good enough. Mm. And it's like yeah. you try to tell me that that's at least get one bit of work in getting back in. Well, yeah, exactly, and it's really baffling. But yeah, credit to Racing. I think they okay. they could go very very long way in Europe this season. Let's talk about two long wasps. Oh, so near, so so near. I mean, I, they were, and it was heartbreaking. But if Toulon mm. could kick, or have yeah. anybody, imagine that Toulon forward performance. With if, Wil- if Wilkinson was still playing at ten, yeah, yeah, forget about it. That would have been a twenty-point spread, easy. Yeah, and and that's that's the thing that the people are, are forgetting is that. You know they're, they're playing Quade Cooper at ten. <laughs> That's well, I mean, Cooper gave them absolutely no shape whatsoever because he doesn't. None does at all. He? But what made me laugh was they were like, "This isn't working." Cooper, get off. Let's bring Michelak on. <laughs> <laughs> it was like swapping Jack Nicholson in as good as it gets with Jack Nicholson in The Shining and hoping that somehow yeah. it was going to get better. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It was a gut punch for Wasps to come so close to being the first team to ever win at Toulon in Europe and. But like you say, they they got so many get out of jail free cards in that thing that if it, it was inevitable that I tell you what was something was going to happen from a shit good point of view. What was really both shit and good. It's not possible, but it, it was good ultimately. <laughs> Have you ever seen a scrum that's losing that much not actually lose? <coughs> yeah, because it was, weird, it was going it? backwards all game, and that guy Thompson and Joe Simpson gave a masterclass in how was... to manage a scrum going backwards. And it's, it's, it reminded me of, of the way that Japan did the sort of counter South Africa scrum in the World Cup in that they knew they were going to get mashed. Yeah, they knew they were going to go backwards. Into, into the back, out, Channel gone. Channel one, boof, out, go. Yeah, and, and it's, that's as, as hard as it needs to be, really. It's just that you have to have that, a hooker that can hook to do it. I've seen some players work hard in my time, but Guy Thompson, the shift that, like, then he managed to score and then knack himself in the process obviously because I don't know yeah. how he had anything left no because his his shift was incredible yeah and we were talking about Simpson earlier I thought his defence was absolutely fantastic again you know he was bring, hauling down like Vermeulen Vermeulen must be about seven stone heavier than him and about a foot taller and yeah, he, he, he was great just... tackle on a banner he ripped the ball off Gerardo oh, of course point. he did didn't he yeah I mean, it was they were they were it was such a committed effort, and to lose to a try where it does look like there was probably a knock on. And, but ultimately, see, Simpson played that well, but he did kick that ball out on the full, which then led to was, to to, to long getting the ball. And you know, is it a curate's egg at the end of the day? That one thing ruined everything. I don't think that's probably being unfair. I don't actually, know, yeah, but it's it, probably, but but it's 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 for me. It's sort of I don't want to take anything away from Wasp because they they put in a very creditable performance, but. As the season has gone on, they've demonstrated that that while that first fifteen of theirs can pretty much match anybody, they don't have the depth that 
a Toulon or a Saracens mm. or whoever has to maintain that level over the course of a season. Toulon yeah. did just have a certain number of very classy players. That angle that Drew Mitchell caught to score the oh. winning try was just—I mean, that's one of those angles you could walk through. That you know they say you could just walk yeah. through there because th- th- yeah. he picked it and timed it so well. Um, so few players would do it, and yeah, they were they were shit again. And you've got to give it to them because like it's kind of a mark of a champion when a and team also, who are so out of sorts keep on winning when they've no right to so shit was the, was the Toulon <clears throat> fly halves uh, was also shit for me was did you see Michelak's two attempts at kicking at goal oh, when it God. sounded like he'd like swung a Cornish pasty at the ball basically <laughs> and it like kind of weaved its way wide and hardly even re- reached the post good for me was Ashley Johnson's magnificent but, but Magnificent hit on Brian Abana. Before I get into Ooh. that, shit is again Brian Abana's unbelievable tendency to roll around oh. like he's you know a dustbin that's just been launched down a hill as soon I as know. he gets touched. He's such a cracking player, but he needs to stop doing that because it's it's a little bit embarrassing. Shit for me was Nigel Owens. Like, I thought Nigel Owens had a bad game. It wasn't his best game by any stretch of the imagination. I thought he was getting too pulled into argue. He got into a terrible sort of bitchy argument with Michelak at one point. Yeah, uh, which and... which was a bit unbecoming, really. And then after the massive hit that Johnson put in, he blew up and kind of ruined the whole. He didn't have to do that because basically the crowd are making a lot of noise. He said, "Oh well, stop everything and let's have a look." Yeah, and and I think all refs can be slightly swayed by the crowd at times, can, yeah, and, yeah. and 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 all refs have pretty iffy games to be honest. And and, and yeah, I mean he's still great. It it's like... just that it has yeah. to be acknowledged no, he's that he's, just, he, he he's not a relentless. He's a human being, you know. He's not a relentless. Yeah, he's not a expert. robot, and that's why he's a good ref. But equally, he's going to occasionally have a bad game, and and yeah, I think he did there definitely. The good thing for me as well is in the Ashley Johnson hit was the, the <laughs> was was Hugo Monnier's magnificent say, yeah. sex noise just oh, afterwards. God, it was it was Gary Nevelesque, wasn't it? Have a li- was... have a listen to this one. <laughs> I'll listen to that again. Uh. <laughs> oh God! Whoa. I do. I, do. I mean, fair play. It was a monster. monster it was a magnificent hit. hit, and he did sound like he just arrived. It was. He it did. Was uh, it, but what I do love those. I don't like. You mentioned last week the horrendous bias of Dowie Morris in commentary where he was basically no. cheerleading for Ulster. I don't like that, but I do like it when colour commentators give that kind of man in the pub Absolutely. You know, they yeah. said last week it's the classic, you know, the give it from, from yes, Jesse. Yeah. Which you would all, because we would all shout that at the pub, wouldn't we? You'd scream, yeah. you know, give it. And actually, that was another one of those classic ones where you can imagine the whole pub going, oh, as, as it, yeah. it kind of went in. And that's, the whole what, crowd, that's, you know. what, that's what I did when. <laughs> And yeah, it's you've got to love that sort of thing. It just shows that players, you know, ex players like Monia, they they still have that sort of childish excitement at this sort of brutality and violence that our game can dish out sometimes. And yeah, another thing that was good about that game as well is that Nick Mullins had to apologise. I think at least four times. For fuck words being caught on camera, <laughs> it's happening. Honestly, I'm going to start running a sweep for how long it'll be before Nick Mullins goes. Terribly sorry about the not very appropriate Saturday afternoon language there. He does it every single week, a number Stop of times. Stop putting a mic on the touchline there. There's just no need, is God. it? Fucking hell, you yeah. Know, thought, don't you? But it's fine. Uh, yeah, so there you go. That was that game. Finally, I didn't see this game, I'll be honest. Northampton, Glasgow looked like a humdinger, actually, but I didn't see it. Uh, it wasn't the 
a bad game. It wasn't a, a, a great game. It had well, a very exciting drama, finish. Um, yes, a dramatic. Yes, game, I so. hope that, that Jim Malinder got his boy Harry something decent for Christmas this year because he certainly did his old man a big favour. <laughs> um, it's vaguely upsetting to me that the Saints are still in with a chance of sneaking qualification via yeah. getting the strongest runner-up spot because they're really, really just quite poor in a lot of areas. And... Yeah, the, I mean the fact that Glasgow were pretty much on top and looking like they had a good shout of winning it, and then because Glasgow have been awful against anybody who isn't the Scarlets this year, and it just speaks volumes to how off the boil the Saints have been this year. And if we're talking shit, um, I'm afraid that Tim Swinston has continued the proud, proud theme of Scottish locks and brainless acts of violence. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Jim Hamilton. Please don't hit me. Um, he pretty much single-handedly lost that game for Glasgow um, by just... They were ahead with, what, five minutes to go, something like yeah. that, and then he decides to dole out a few uppercuts right under the nose of the touch judge, gets himself yellow-carded, penalty to the corner inside the 22, and then from the ensuing line-out, the Saints eventually get the breakthrough against 14 men, score the try and win the game. Nice one, Punchy. <laughs> and <laughs> Yes. So, there you go. That was the fixtures. Uh, for for last last week and there were some humdingers fair play let's mm. move forward to just this very quick feature we're doing some look back at, at rugby nostalgia things from rugby's past that we might miss did you play Josh much uh, only in a, in a school sense yeah right. I stopped when I was about fifteen sixteen yeah I was just I just wondering because there's some stuff that's kind of in the game so do you watch about the game we did this on Twitter a while ago and I thought I'd revisit it because it was quite a good laugh but some things mm. we miss I'll give you one the Adidas Barbarian Ball. Oh, what a great ball. It was beige what? with black ends. Yes, and it, it was sort of weirdly egg-like, which yeah. which, Gil, which Gilbert balls aren't. And, and I think that was like an Adidas thing, because when they used to supply the balls for the European Cup, they had a sort of roundness to them. And I liked that, because it made life a bit more difficult for kickers and things. So um, I love the Adidas Barbarian. The Mitre Multiplex was the other one. Oh, yes, classic. Um, I miss proper rugby shirts, and that, frankly, is probably a bit obvious, I guess. But proper rugby shirts with with collars and long sleeves and preferably made out of cotton. Like I, I like modern rugby shirts. I like... You know where I stand on this. Suit. We've had long discussions suit. before where I will, oh, I will yeah. not stand for any technological updated rugby <laughs> shirts whatsoever I think they shouldn't be allowed but they've got to sell them somehow haven't they that's the problem well I, I, I'm fine with that I've got nothing against modern rugby shirts but there's something about a billowy cotton shirt with a huge collar a 70s yeah. haircut and preferably a man with a massive moustache it's just cool and which also follows on from that there aren't enough props with missing teeth anymore no or moustaches for that moustaches come back to that moustaches as well but yeah a, a, a yeah. shirt that weighs three stone heavier than when you put it on is definitely the way <laughs> the way the way forward back row moves don't happen anymore Remember back no, moves, really the old eight nine ten moves, and sorry, not eight nine ten, yes, eight no, nine fourteen, does... and all that kind of stuff. Although there was a classic back row move that finished off Wales in the World Cup, of course, the old. Uh, yes. Which, yeah. to, sorry to bring that up again, but uh, no, you fine. can you, know, you read um, yeah, it. So. Yeah, you you, that was the thing. It took everybody by such surprise because you don't see that shit anymore. Um, sand instead of kicking tees, the, the Neil Jenkins special. I missed that. And you started driving that on as well. Didn't you should drive it on like a remote control bucket at some point? <laughs> oh, am I, am I, yeah, well, I imagine that. How else? I think you might have imagined that, but he did have a little bucket. It was I think it was on a documentary about fishing that actually, where he, where he drove tackle out <laughs> in a boat. But anyway, um, yeah. five minute half times with teams squatting on a pitch. Yes, remember that? Who needs who needs to go into the changing rooms, really? Yeah, he just used to used to get in a circle, didn't they? Squat down. Yeah. 
and then Have get it sorted and, off, and yeah. off, off you go they still do it in the sevens and they foolishly stick a microphone in the huddle it's amazing <laughs> and Nick Mullins has to apologise <laughs> repeatedly <laughs> exactly especially at the Wales ones um, um, uh, rocking I kind of miss. I well. actually, we're, we're joshing with a lot of this stuff. A lot of it is nostalgia. I genuinely actually do miss rugby. Yeah, no, I, I, I properly it's, it's actually. Quite a, the game has lost an enormous amount with rocking not being there anymore. Yeah, and you knew it was coming. I took, you know, we've all taken when I play. We've all taken rockings in our time, and yep. you knew it was coming because you were where you weren't supposed to be, and it moved you. Yeah, and and, and what's more dangerous? Getting some stud marks on your ribs and back, and and a couple of bruises, or getting cleared out by a lock running full tilt into a ruck when you've got no way of defending yourself or protecting your body. Very true. Uh, one last thing I'll say on this. Uh, I have one more. You can have one more if you've got one. Uh, that yes. that wall thing at set pieces. Oh, they used to I used do to a tap, that. and they pass it to three fat forwards stood in a line. Who did that in this? Was it? Somebody did it quite Someone recently, did didn't they? That. I can't remember yes. what now, but yes, we did it quite oh, recently. Oh God, I can't remember, but yes, it was see, amazing. The, the, whole, um, the whole trickery of it, of course, you couldn't see where the ball was going to come out. Of course, the yes. actual reality of it was that somebody either ran straight through the wall or they just passed <laughs> it past the wall. It was, it looked great. But it was, <laughs> and with these organised defences now, they just go zonal anyway in a line, and that yeah. would be the end of that. <laughs> um, my final thing that uh, I, I appreciate that I might. Uh, annoy a few people with this but I miss the old school 1970s hacker oh the, the hokey cokey before, one before everybody took it really seriously and it's all bulging veins and barely contained aggression and machismo in theatre it was just 15 blokes standing in a line doing a ceremonial dance in a slightly half-arsed way with for no attempts yeah it was the equivalent yes, of like for... a tourist show wasn't it? Yeah, and it was just a nice little sort of tradition, and you issued the challenge, and and nowadays it's this sort of pumped up, sort of hyper, sort of aggressive thing that's also equal parts marketing tool for the All Blacks and polarizing sacred cow that people get very, very hysterical. I about. think you could kind of go into the you know sociological reasons about cultural awareness and all of that, which didn't yeah. used to exist and all that. If I'm being no. reasonable for once, I'm going to be hmm. reasonable for once and say that actually, it's, not like you. it's a no, it's it's moved forward because of. Of all of that, but yeah, um, yeah, I think if you just let them do it and just forget it, really, I think it's not yeah. just their fault. I think people on the other no. side of the argument make more of it than needs to be. You know, just Absolutely. let them get on. And with that, it. that annoys me as well. So yeah, right. Let's stop fighting over that. So that was a uh, in my day. If you've got any um, nominations for in my day or rugby nostalgia, please use mm. the hashtag rugby nostalgia on uh, blood on Twitter. You can get in touch with me on Twitter at blood and mud. You can get in touch with Josh. At uh, Rugby Shirt Watch. Can you do your personal one as well, or is that just that one? Uh, yes, or at Josh Gardner. It's all very, very simple. Uh, right, okay. Um, I do more swearing on my personal one, so uh, you might prefer that. I think they've had enough of that, to be honest. Uh, so I think they probably have, yeah. Let's look at the fixtures <laughs> for next week quickly. We, see, I said I was going to be shorter this week, and this is running on and on and on again. Just... So, very quickly, I'm not going to go through all the fixtures. I'm going to go no. through the fixtures in the as yet undecided pools. Yes, because it's pretty much decided with the exception of what's two, pools two and pools five. Pools two and five, it? yeah. And let's look at yes. pool five first because they're the games that are on Saturday. Yep. Bath played Toulon at the Wreck. Uh, of course, Toulon are going to be boringly grinding out a win that they probably don't deserve because that's what they do. Um, Bath had the... They turned up against Wasps, didn't they? There's, there's the off yes. chance that they could... Because they have they got might some win. quality in there. There's an off chance they could do something. And Toulon... Just I would love it if they well. lost. They? I would love it if they lost yeah. because that would probably mean that if Wasp beat Leinster, then they'll miss out on a best runner-up spot, and that would be delightful. Uh, Wasps play Leinster. Now this is an interesting yes. one because it's it's a bit of a turnaround from 
from the fixture at the other end of the tournament, of course, because hmm. Leinster were absolute dog shit in that game, and yet they've sort of played themselves back into a bit of form, whereas Wasps have, have picked up a few injuries and gone right off the boil. I think this is going to be a bit of a... It's a very interesting it one, isn't it? a bit of an arm wrestle, isn't it? It's back at the Traitor Dome, where Wasps it is. Uh, do tend to do okay. Um, but then, yeah, I can't call this one, really. I think if they've got Sexton back at 10, I can see Leinster doing something in that, you know, just because they've been there and they've done that and they know how to win away in Europe. I'm going Wasps on that one, I think. I'd be inclined to go with Wasps. What does that mean for the pool then, sorry? Because, you know, my math isn't great. So if Wasps win Uh, and Toulon win, Toulon go through. Well, it depends on the bonus points and stuff, doesn't it? Exactly. I think if if Wasps win, they're pretty much through. Um, Right. One way or another. If Toulon win... They're also pretty much through one way or another, oh, either as champions yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or best runner-up. But um, yeah, if either one of them lose, they're they're pretty much done and dusted, I think. So let's talk about the one you'll be interested in then, Josh, which is pool oh, two. God, this is the most horribly. Like, I read an article on Wales Online earlier about the various permutations of how the Ospreys could potentially get through, and you're not going to. I had to give. I had to give up after about fifteen <laughs> minutes because it's just there's too many different. Like, Basically, if the Ospreys get something out of the Exeter game, be it even if it's a losing bonus point or a try bonus point or both, as they seem to make a habit of this year, mm. um, then they're well in. Even if they lose, they're well within the shout of getting a best runner-up spot what? if other results go their way. I think Bordeaux are just going to lie down and die at Clermont. Yes, they're going to get absolutely. They're going to get battered. Um, so that's that. So it's just Ospreys trying to get a bonus or win, obviously, but trying to get a bonus yeah. point if not, and so yeah. on. I if think they're capable they of doing that. You, if they can sneak a, a draw, place to go, isn't it? it is a very hard place I mean, to go. Having said that, you can pass to each other when you're playing away from home. That's, so that, true. that's a positive. And, uh, that, it is, and there's definitely uh, more of a. Uh, I mean, extra still mathematically in a shout of winning. I think they'd need to win with a bonus point to get anywhere near it, but it's not totally out of the question. But yeah, I mean, so if we if we try and make a very quick prediction for the eight that are going through, then we already know that there's three gone through, which is Sarri's. Yeah. Racing and Leicester. Mm. Uh, I think probably Ospreys and Claremont are going through. See, I don't. I I'm very iffy about the Ospreys going through. I think I think Claremont are definitely going through. I think Toulon will probably go through, and I think it might be somebody like Wasps and Northampton because I think Northampton are going to absolutely dick the Scarlets. Right. And that might well. Right. Okay. Yeah, my but, brain's hurting now. I've given up already. Yeah, I hate, <laughs> I hate all this permutation shit. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. Um, right then, so that was the pod for this week. We will finish as we always do hmm. on the loop, which is our continuing uh, rugby-related music tracks uh, feature. There's been quite a few. You can have a look. I've actually set up a page. If you go to thebloodandwood.com, you can have a look at the podcast page. There's a page there of all the tracks we've had up till now. And this week is a nomination from from you, Josh. Yes, there is, and it's uh, a, a, a return to uh, the glo- golden glory years of, of early 2000 post-hardcore, and it's uh, Rival Schools and their, their fantastic track, The Switch. It's The Switch. Can you see what we did there? 
There will be no pod next week because I'm on holiday and nobody wants to hear Josh talk for an hour on his own. No, you really don't. So um, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll set up a live stream of me watching the Ospreys game on Sunday and then get a taste of what it would be like if I was actually doing this podcast on my own. Okay, then thanks very much for joining us. You can find this pod on SoundCloud, on iTunes. Thanks for the people who have been leaving reviews on iTunes. We welcome all Indeed. reviews, whatever they may say. And um, mm-hmm. this is The Loop and Rival Schools with The Switch. Goodbye. Take care. Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say: your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over a hundred social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today! 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.